Isaiah 55, 8. The Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want to speak to you tonight about how things work in the kingdom of God. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing as we worshiped and all of that. Have you ever been intrigued about how something worked? You wanted to know how it functioned? If you go to the Amazon website, you'll see several books with variations of the titles, How Things Work. And it's kind of fascinating. Have you ever wondered how hovercrafts hover? Or how do boats float? They have something to do with displacement. And... You know, how, how, does, how do words, how do sounds leave my mouth in a particular language, go in someone else's ear as vibrations, and somehow the brain translate that, translates that into coherent thoughts every once in a while, depending on who's preaching and how good he's doing or bad. But how does that work? I, I, I know that we can find that out, and... Many of you already know how that works, but that's intriguing to me, and the mind, the whole body system that God has created. But how does Wi-Fi work that you could be standing here and signals come and go and pictures? Those of us who grew up not in the digital age, still fascinating every time it works. What about touch screens like I'm using right now? Are 3D printers... Or cell phones, computer hardware and software. How, for instance, men have wondered for thousands of years, how do wives think? <laughs> really, I'm, I'm not making this up. The, the Apostle Peter said that we're to dwell with them according to knowledge because it's not an easy thing for a man to understand how that works. And then wives have wondered for years, why do husbands not think? I thought I would get like a lot more high-pitched amens that time, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> How do things work? When our youngest son, Justin, was a little boy in teenage years, he, he loved to take things apart. He wasn't very good at putting them back together again, but he loved to take things apart. He wanted to figure out what made it work. What, how did that thing tick? And that was always a fun memory for Justin. And personally, I like to use technology. And if, if I understand how it works, fine. If I don't, fine. But I want it to work, right? Even if you don't know how things work, they can still work for you. You don't have to be able to understand it in all of its intricacies and all of the technology to enjoy the benefits of it. I think uh, because of this uniqueness, I, I love the parable that Jesus told in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. starts there. And he said, The kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout 
and grow, he himself does not know how. He does not know how it works. He just knows it works. For the earth, the Lord said, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He doesn't know how. He cannot explain germination. He does not have a degree in horticulture. He just knows that if you go stick a seed in the ground and the conditions are right, that it will grow. He doesn't have to know how it works to know it works. But you would be a fool to ignore how things work so that they don't work against you. This farmer was successful because he worked in cooperation with the laws of nature that God instituted from the beginning of time, from the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, Adam tilled the ground. Well, my goal today is not to help you figure everything out that there is to figure out about God because His ways are past finding out. But my goal is to, to put something in your mind, a mindset that says God has a way in which He works. And I will be blessed if I cooperate with the ways of God. And I will be cursed if I don't. My life will be hard if I transgress the way God works. I want to shed some light, some insight, give some insight on the nature of God and how he works. He always works in accordance with his word. He is never in conflict with his word because the word of God, the written word of God is a written expression of the nature of God. So they are always compatible. God does not operate randomly or inconsistently. He may appear to be unpredictable in the way he goes about something but would never be contradictory to his word. You can work in your life. You can work against God or you can work with God. You can bring blessing to your life or cursing to your life. You can be frustrated all of your life or you can be fruitful. It is important to understand how to cooperate with the way things work in God's world and in God's kingdom. Brother Paul Mooney is the pastor of Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he's the president of uh, Indiana Bible College. He's our assistant general superintendent. And very funny things happen to him all the time. And he uses them as great sermon illustrations. And because I've heard him tell this story a couple of times, I may have even shared it here, I'm going to rob a story and give him credit. But the he said that he was making a hospital visit. He was trying to get into a particular part of the hospital, and he was standing at a double door, and the door would not open. So he pushed against the door and started forcing the door to open. And he got about halfway in, but the door didn't want to open. And he said, I was in the door. I was kind of stuck there in the door. Only Brother Mooney. He said a nurse walked over toward him and said, Sir, you are working against the design 
of the door. You're working against the design of the door. And she reached over and she pushed that round silver button that's about that big. And the door swung open and he walked right through. <laughs> I heard him talk about that years ago and I heard him say that recently at 50th anniversary of Apostolic Tabernacle and it's kind of been rolling around in my mind and, you know, I keep a, just a, an Evernote file of sermon ideas of things that just are going through my mind. Maybe it comes to me in prayer or a thought that I have and, and I've been thinking about this for, for quite a while now, how, how things work. We need to know how things work in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine trying to force your way through life and continually being squeezed when there was a way, there was a design. And if you would have just worked in harmony with the way it was designed, you could have had access. Doors would have opened for you. You could have enjoyed the blessings of an automatic door instead of trying to force yourself through a door that wouldn't open. That door opened of its own accord. You don't have to understand the design of the door to have the door work for you. Hi, Natalie. Great to have you here. Speaking of Brother Mooney and IBC, graduate, engaged to Brother DJ. Now, it's okay if you want to go to the hospital or you want to get online and you want to figure out how those automatic hospital doors work. You know, the electronics and the mechanics and is there pneumatics involved? You can get involved in all of that if you want. But you don't have to understand all of that to know if you walk up to that door, and I've been at hospitals before and didn't notice that button over there and tried to figure out how I was going to get through, you know. But if you just know how it works, the general way, then you can cooperate with it. And this is true in the kingdom of God. You can work in cooperation with the design of God's kingdom, and if you do, it will open doors for you. But if you work against it, it will shut doors for you. And I'm not really talking about ministry opportunities right now. I'm talking about in your life, you can continually live feeling like you're trying to work against something or you can work in harmony with the ways of God. He works in a certain way. He works according to his way. For many years, you know, when I was a young Adult, I started reading Proverbs over and over and over. Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Why is the way of transgressors hard? To transgress is to go against the law of God. It is to step outside or cross the lines of God's word. But you can understand that if God created us in a certain nature and he created the world by divine, intelligent design, and if we cooperate with the way he designed this world and us, then we're going to have the benefits that come with working in harmony with God's word. But if we transgress, it is not just about, you know, we like to quote, the pleasures of sin for a season. But the pleasures of sin for a season doesn't mean the pleasures of sin all the way till you draw your last lung cancer breath or your drug-addicted breath or your alcoholic breath. The pleasures 
of sin for a season give way to bondage and captivity and the misery of sin lasts a lot longer than the pleasures of sin. The way of the transgressor is hard. This person is kind of spitting into the wind. They're tugging on Superman's cape. No, they're, they're, they are working against the design of the door. They're trying to live their lives in a way that is in contradiction with the way God made the world, God designed his kingdom, and the way he made you. Amen. The way things work in the kingdom of God. I, I was thinking about, about this idea, and in the news lately, because it's, you know, we're coming into summer, there's been some stories in the news about people that are at the beach and they get caught in a rip current and they drown. And if you read a little bit about it, you know, every year in the United States, about 100 people die from rip, rip currents, far more on a typical year than die in tornadoes. Most recently, the most recent article I could find, May 31st, Panama Beach uh, City, Florida, a 61-year-old Georgia man died while snorkeling off a beach that had a red flag warning about rip currents, and he got in a rip current, Rick Cornell did, Corell, and it pulled him out into the ocean, and he drowned to death. Now, if you read what to do if I get caught in a rip current, don't Google that right now, please, during church, because I'm going to tell you. There's, there's this extremely strong current subtropical storm, almost tropical storm, Alberta was the cause of this particular, you know, series of rip currents. It is a strong current that starts up near the beach and it's flowing out into the ocean and they travel, a typical rip current can travel at about eight miles per hour. Excuse me, eight feet per second. Eight feet per second. If you were an Olympic swimmer, I don't think we have any here tonight, maybe watching online, Olympic swimmers at their fastest speed can, can swim about 5.4 feet per second. So a rip current is flowing faster than an Olympic swimmer on his best moment. Eight feet per second. You, you, cannot, you cannot swim against it. If you swim against the rip current, you're going to get fatigued, exhausted, and you're going to drown. That's why about 100 people a year in the United States die in rip currents because they don't understand the design of a rip current. They don't know how to get out of it. But all you have to do is search for it and you can find it. While rip currents are extremely powerful, they tend to be very narrow. So if you get caught in a rip current, let the rip current take you swim parallel to the shoreline until you get out of it and then swim back toward the shore along the, in the waves, uh, you know, in an angle back to land. But my point is, if you're in a rip current and you're trying to swim against it, you're going to die. But if you understand rip currents and you understand how they work, then you can work with that current and let it work to your advantage and get out of it. And what I'm saying tonight, and the reason I use that example, are there are people that in their life, they, they will not do what the Bible says. 
They will not submit to spiritual authority. And I'm not talking about spiritual authority absent the Word of God or outside the Word of God. I'm talking about in the Word of God, as the Word of God is taught. They're not, they will not submit to a mother or a father or civil authority. No one is going to tell them what to do. And it is like they are swimming against the rip current of God's Word and the way of the transgressor. It is just hard. And you're going to drown. You have to understand how it works. You know, there are some people that cannot figure out why, you know, their life is so hard. Why is my life so hard? I'm not talking about a trial that God may put you through. But you don't live your life in an entire, like, lifelong trial. God doesn't do that. I'm talking about people who are, are working against the design of the kingdom of God and the word of God. They're swimming against a rip current and they cannot, they just like, I don't understand, man, dude, everything's so bad for me. <laughs> well, well, Why is my life so hard? You're swimming against the current. You're working against the design of the door. You're not cooperating with the laws of God's kingdom. Now, there are some people that are not, you know, like bona fide sinners. They're just obstinate saints. And they're swimming against the rip current as well. Because no one's going to tell them what to do. Uh, there, there's a word. <clears throat> this isn't for anybody here unless you're a bishop, okay, or like a spiritual leader. That prob probably means pastor. But Titus 1 and 7, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. Now, that's a verse for me, okay? Not self-willed. What, what is self-will? You know, obviously, it's the opposite of God's will. It is me doing what I think is right, that I'm going to do, leading by human intellect, leading by my will. And the Bible tells me as a pastor that I am not supposed to be self-willed, nor soon angry, nor given to wine, nor striker, nor given to filthy lucre, and a long list of requirements for a person that wants to hold the office of a bishop, of a pastor, of a spiritual leader. Not self-will. Now think about this. According to this verse, there could be a person in the church that's got a lot of virtues, but they're self-will. They're saved, but they're still self-will. So I just wanted to make the point that it's not just for the drug addict and the alcoholic and the immoral person. It is for us to understand that if we want God's blessing and favor on our life, we've got to find a way to align ourselves to his word and not work against the design of the kingdom of God. Self-will always works against the design of the door. And there, there are physical, emotional, relational, relational. I'm talking about marriages and families and friendships. There are spiritual consequences to a transgressor. 
When you live your life swimming against the current that God designed for life to flow a certain way according to His Word, you're going to face the consequence of that. Living against God's Word is always hard. Let's look at some Bible, Psalm 19. I want you to see, this is a reminder for most of you, what the Bible does for you. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, I could stop right there because, you know, there's a lot written in Proverbs about simple people, and, and I'm not talking about a simple lifestyle, that they, they are simple, but the Bible said that, that the word of God, the testimony of the Lord, can make a simple person wise, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. You see, God designed his kingdom and he gave us a word, the principles of the kingdom of God. And when I understand how things work in the kingdom of God and I cooperate with them by my obedience, by my submission, by following the word of the Lord in my life and promptings of the spirit in my life, the word and the spirit guiding me, then I find that there is a great reward in keeping the word of God. But when a person is, is, is prone to Always push against. They're going to they're gonna force it the door instead of understanding how it's designed. They're going to swim against the current. They're, they're a nonconformist. Well, I have this little thing that I wrote one time for leadership teaching that I don't really see a big place in the body of Christ for a maverick. I know that being a maverick in America, that's a good, you're a maverick, you know. Well, if you're a maverick against heathen people and you're godly, that's good. But in the kingdom of God, being a maverick's not so good because the Bible said that we should follow his word. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who would not want that? Who would not want that? Who would want a hard life? Who wants a life that's continually feels like you know, when, when uh, Hosea is praying for his wife, Gomer, and the Lord is speaking about this backslidden wife, and she's left Hosea, her husband. She's going to pursue other lovers. And the Lord said, I will hedge her way in thorns. When she pursues her lovers, she's not going to find them. So here's Gomer. She's running away. She's breaking her marriage vow. But the, but the Lord puts briars in her way. And every time she tries to sin, she keeps getting poked and stabbed and life is miserable for her because the way 
the way of the transgressor is hard. Jeremiah, maybe chapter 2 said that the, that the, uh, the backslider, just when you backslide, and now I just kind of lost that verse, but, but it will, you're thine own backslidings, thine own backslidings shall reprove you. The consequences of that wrong life are going to beat the daylights out of you. Who wants to live like that? Maybe you've heard me say before, but some people, you know, really pride themselves on graduating from the school of experience, the school of hard knocks, where the school colors are black and blue from bruises. Why would you want to go to that school? Why not go to the school of the Word of God and don't live your life swimming against the rip current and working against the design of the door? Amen. Remember when the Lord appears to Saul of Tarshish in Acts chapter 9, you know, who art thou, Lord? You know, it, it is Jesus. It is hard for you to kick against the King Joe says the pricks, but it's an ox goad. Now, I've always wondered because we don't really have any insight to what was happening to Saul. He is persecuting the church. He, he casts his vote, basically. He's there. You know, he's a witness to the stoning of Stephen. He's going to Damascus with letters authorizing him to throw people into jail. He tells us later he's compelling men to, back, to blaspheme. He is a bad dude. But all along, the Lord is giving him this illustration that, that a farmer or a, a herder who has livestock like an ox, he's got a pointed stick in his hand. And while the ox tries to go off the path, that, that herder, he's got that sharp stick you know, poking him in the side. Poking him in the side. And the ox may try to kick against that. And that's what the Lord was saying to Saul. It is hard for you to live your life constantly kicking against. I'm trying to guide you a certain way and you keep fighting against it. And it's a hard way to live. Everybody with Isaiah 55, we're going to see this on the screen, I hope. <laughs> Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. He's not always going to be found. He's not always near. You got that part? Let the wicked forsake his or her way. That's my way. That's the way of me doing what I want to do, my will, that self-will. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, his thoughts, my way. You know, the Bible talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So let forsake your way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. This is the context of the text I read in the beginning. This passage is about God's mercy and God's forgiveness that if you will turn to the Lord, he will forgive you. But seek him while he can be found and call on him while he is near. Turn, return. Think of these words, forsake your way. Turn from your unrighteous works. It, re it requires giving up yourself, surrendering to the will of God, and then getting on track with the way it works better. You know, this is not the worst life. This is the abundant life. It's the sinful life that is the hard life. So, 
Then the Lord said in verse 8, this verse that we kind of know, for my thoughts, he's talking about his mercy toward us, his, his graciousness and forgiveness. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, every scripture has one interpretation, many applications. So if this is true of God's nature in mercy, grace, and forgiveness, it is true of God's nature in every way. If his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my way, saith the Lord, that's always true that my human nature, my fallen nature, my rebellious nature, that God's ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Now that, that, means, that means I really need to stop. Like here's a newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. Your ways are not God's ways and your thoughts are not like God's thoughts. You know, a fool is set in his ways lives by his or her own conclusions and perceptions. Have you ever noticed that a person doesn't have to be smart to have an opinion? They don't have to be wise to have an opinion. They don't have to be right to have an opinion. I've been a few places and hear, heard people. Hear, I hear people. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard people. They, they, I really hear them, what I'm fixing to say. I've heard them. I'll tell you what, and boy, I mean, they just knew. They had the answers for the country, the economy. They knew everything. And I was just kind of like standing there, sitting there, maybe in a place of business going. I don't know if I really want to say what I said. Like, you're a moron. Maybe I said that, you know, like, what do, what do, you, what do you think? But I wouldn't say that in church, you know. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> The law of the Lord will make wise the simple. I mean, nowadays, you know, people say really wrong things. I'm talking about theologically wrong. They say them from, from behind pulpits and behind social media platforms. You don't have to be smart, educated, right, wise, godly to, to have an audience. And you can say anything you want to anyone who will hear, and it could be dozens or hundreds or thousands of people, and you're, you think you are just throwing down, you're the smartest person in town. And some of the people reading are like, oh, my goodness, like, well, they like me. Well, that was a wrong thing to do, but they're too, trying to be nice probably. The law of the Lord will make wise the simple. Where do you think you're going to learn God's ways? You're going to learn them from his word. So his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Verse 9. So this is, I want to make this simple point out of this next verse. His ways are not different than ours. They're better than ours. They're superior. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. What if I had the ability to plug into the thoughts of God, the mind of God, so that my thoughts could, could soar and be elevated so that I could see life like God sees life and, and think like God thinks and, and perceive the things that are around me like if I could know how things work, if I could know that mind of God and how he thinks then I could not work, live my life working against the design of the door. And I guess I'm kind of, just with this particular point, I know I'm wearing this out, but there are a lot of self-proclaimed experts in the world, right? But let God be true, 
and every man a liar. When it's all said and done, it's his word that is true. So we, we, those of us who are God's children, God's sons and daughters, we need to really work at understanding the ways of God. And when we do, we can enjoy the blessings of working with God, not against God. We can have the favor and blessing of God on our life, not the constant sharp-pointed stick in our side prodding us back to obedience because God loves us when he chastens us. And if you've never been chastened by the Lord, it's not because you're perfect. It's probably because you don't belong to him. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Some of you are still trying to figure out if you need chastening or not. But you do. And I do. Amen. And I thank God he loves me. I mean, the Bible is very plain that if he does not chasten you, it's because you don't belong to him. If you don't belong to him, he's going to let you go on your hard way. But if he loves you, he's going to chasten you back into obedience. What if I could tap into those higher ways and higher thoughts? Wow. We need to know how things work. Back to Isaiah, though, 55 and 10. Here's an example of how God works. These are how his ways are. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. We'll stop there before the Lord applies it. He said, my ways, this is one of my ways. I let it rain, I let it snow. And when it rains and when it snows, I allow life to take place. I, I cause the earth to bud and bring forth and I give seed to the sower and I give bread to the eater. We are able to eat because God does that. Now we understand the water cycle that later is vapor. It goes back up and there's a continual water cycle. Job talked about that. But then the Lord said, in the same way that it rains and snows on the earth and then when the rain and snow comes down, it causes plants to grow. It causes a farmer to get seed. It causes hungry people to get food. In that same way, so shall my word that be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Amen. There's an amazing thing about being a teacher or a preacher of the word of God. That I can be like that farmer I talked about earlier. I, I just go sling some seed out there. I just pray and preach God's word and go home and go to bed and while I sleep and while I wake, the earth, the word of God, the processes of the kingdom of God produce fruit in themselves. The word will not come back empty, but the Lord said it will accomplish its purpose. Amen? Amen? That's how God works. He works through his word that is sown out there. For two months, we've been talking about evangelism what we do and then how the Lord works with us. And his word works like this, that if you just cast your bread on the waters, right? If you just sow the word of God like seed, I'm talking about S-O-W, you put it out there, it will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose that God has for it. The word of God does that. Amen. So, 
So now, now let's, I, I think you get this idea, right? You understand my idea. And it has, it has many uh, principles in the Word of God. It goes a lot of different directions. God has ways. They're above our ways, and they always work. That's what I get out of Isaiah 55. God has ways. They're higher than mine, and they always work. God has ways. They're higher than mine, and they always work. So let's cooperate with that process. So I want to give you some, some like one-liners, okay? And if I have time, I may drill down into one passage that I mentioned on Sunday. I'm not sure I'll have time tonight. Um, Jesus said this. This is paradoxical, right? These are principles of the kingdom of God, and they go against the grain of life. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, these verses are not on the screen. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. Now, what in the world does that mean? When Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, isn't that a paradox? I'm crucified, but I'm alive. And Jesus said, this is how God's kingdom works. If you want to save your life, if you're going to live it, be your own man, be your own woman, you're going to save it, Jesus said, guess what? You're going to lose your life. It's going to cost you big time. But if you will lose your life for my sake, sake in the Gospels, you will find it. You will find him and you will find yourself and you will find your place in the body of Christ. One of my life verses, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If I go hide a $100 bill under this monitor, there is not a $100 bill hidden under this monitor. Don't rush the platform. If I put treasure there, a little part of my heart is there because I value a hundred bucks. And wherever you put your treasure, your heart has no choice. It just follows along. Your treasure is the engine and your heart is the caboose. And it always, always works that way. It works that way in relationships. It works that way in the way you spend your time. It works that way in the way you spend your money. People say, I love the Lord, but they don't put their money where their mouth is. They cannot love the Lord because your heart can never be where your treasure is not. Follow me? This is a principle of the kingdom of God, that wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where do you want your heart to be? You figure that out. And wherever you want your heart to be, start putting your treasure there. That's why people who pray want to pray more. That's why people who give understand giving and they don't mind giving. That's why people who are like the household of Stephanus, they've addicted themselves to the ministry. The more they're involved, they see the value of it. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Paul told us in Galatians 6 and 7, and I'm giving the principle that whatever you sow, that you will also reap. That's a principle, right? It's a part of the way this kingdom works. And you can try to sow one thing and reap another, but it will never happen. You always reap what you sow in kind, and you always reap more than you sow in quantity. 
because a seed produces more than a single seed in many, most cases. The law of sowing and reaping. Jesus said, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is just the way God's kingdom operates. Someone preached one time the coinage of the realm. The currency of the kingdom of God is faith. That is how you transact business with God. You come to God by faith and you walk by faith, not by sight. And we live this life by faith. The the just shall live by faith. So faith is a fundamental principle in the kingdom of God. But then I've been kind of mulling this next verse over, Galatians 5, 6. You may want to write 5, 6 Galatians down. Paul says, In Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It really doesn't get you anything in the kingdom of God. But what gets you something but faith which worketh by Love. This verse has been kind of rumbling around in my mind for several months. Faith that works by love. So without faith, it's impossible to please him, but faith operates by the principle of love. And I don't even have that all sorted out in my mind or figured out, but the Bible said that faith works by love. So if you're filled with love, think about 1 Corinthians 13 the, two, the, the, the chapter between two chapters on the gifts of the Spirit, you know, covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show to you a more excellent way. And the entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, is how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit out of the motivation of love. Faith works by love. That's how the kingdom works. That's how it works. Jesus had compassion on them. Love moved him to heal him. That's just how it works. Faith works by love. Now, this is one that you're really going to enjoy, especially the crowd students. Ephesians 6 and 2, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That's how it works. Long life, things going well for you, starts, there's more than one thing, it starts with honoring your father and your mother. Now, that's how it works. You say, well, you don't know my mother. Honor thy father and thy mother. There's balancing principles for fathers and mothers, such as fathers, provoke not thy children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. There are other balancing principles, you see, but this is how it works. And so every, everybody that's in a household under the authority of a parent right now, listen up. You want to live your life running into the hedges and the thorns and the spears? Just go ahead and dishonor and disobey your parents. You want to be blessed, you want it to go well with you? Follow this principle. Here's another one. How many of you would love to have power over the devil? Resist the devil. Let me see your hands. Okay, all of of you that want the devil to whip you up, raise your hands. That's like, 
Here we go again, folks. Anybody who wants to be able to resist the devil, how about raising your hands? Yes, we're, Brother Poe, we're on a we're on a real campaign here to teach our church how to respond to preaching and not exclude themselves, you know. Amen. I want to resist the devil. Because I know you heard it, but I'm just, you know, like every once in a while. This is not a Simon Says church, but every once in a while just helps, you know, to engage the audience. But here's how it works. Here's how it works. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. The Lord resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So if you want power over the devil, you have to be submitted to God. And if you submit yourself to God, you have his authority in your life to resist the devil. That's how it works. Tell you what, I just can't get victory over the devil. Ever tried submitting to God? Try that for more than five minutes, you know? And see, um, because some people say, oh, I tried that three days. I paid tithes three weeks and nothing's happened yet. It was nice to my wife, told her I love her four times and she's still struggling, you know, marriage is still not out of the woods. <laughs> you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. This is not microwave religion. This is relationship. Amen? This is walking with God. This is how it works. One more, one more principle. And I'm not going to get to the main thing that is fine because I gave it to you in a synopsis Sunday about the process that God uses, the birth, death, and supernatural fulfillment of a dream. But this is a principle. Jesus is speaking about mercy in Luke 6, 30, uh, Luke 6 and, and forgiveness, but this is a principle. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure you meet withal, it shall be measured again to you. I've heard this illustrated many times, and it's so true. If you're going to measure out mercy and generosity with like a little teaspoon, a little baby spoon, toddler spoon, that's how it's going to get measured back to you. Do you determine... You determine the, the response of God and of the principles of the kingdom of God. You kind of set the, you set the standard. Because if you want it to come back to you, you give. And how do you give? You give with a large measure because you want it to be measured to you again. So this is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. And I like it personally because it's God's word. But if I didn't like it, I would still obey it because this is just how things work in the kingdom of God. So why don't we submit ourselves to God so we have power to resist the devil? Why don't we not try to be belligerent, stubborn when God is speaking to us to forgive someone who has wronged us? or to obey a principle that we know is true in the word of God. I learned this as a young man, that some people are always saying, 
Well, I would live for God except, but I can't, I don't understand why my Aunt Aunt Martha died with cancer. Or I don't understand why there's evil in the world. I would, I would, except I, they've got all these reasons. But what really is the problem is not the things that we cannot understand or explain. It's the things that we do understand and full well know, but are not willing to obey that create the greatest problems in our life. It's what I do know that I won't obey that creates a problem. It's not, it's not when is the Lord coming for his church and what did that little toe in Nebuchadnezzar's image really mean and you know, that kind of stuff, it's there in the Bible. There's a lot in the Bible that we need to know. And you can find, well, I don't understand exactly this particular verse, you know. Where are you Pentecostals, Atlanta West, land on that? Well, yeah, but what about something you do know? What about all the things you do know that that's just a, a smoke screen for a rebellious heart? So God help me, starting with me, to say, Lord, how do things work in the kingdom of God? I want to know. And even if I can't figure out, explain to me how I can give God 10% and he can make more happen with 90% than with 100. I don't understand that. God has a math problem. He has a math problem. No, he doesn't have a math problem. He doesn't have a math problem. I don't understand how that works, but I know if you don't obey that, you put your money in a bag with holes in it, the Bible says. That's how it works. And because he ordained it and he designed it and he controls it, remember he's above all, through all, and in you all, I can trust him that when I submit and cooperate with how things work in the kingdom of God, that I'm not living my life trying to force my way through a door that has a key, a way that it opens. There's a way that God responds and he works, right? I can struggle against a rip current and spiritually drown. Or I can say, oh, I, I, know how, I know how to deal with this. The way of the transgressor is hard. I want the testimony of the Lord to make wise the simple. And in keeping the word of God, the Bible said, we read it tonight, there is great reward. A stand, and if you have a few moments, why don't you gather at the altar? The worship team's coming, but we can come while they're coming, and I will uh, save more for later, maybe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to understand your ways. I want to live my life, Lord, in cooperation with your spirit and with your word. I pray, oh God, that you would create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Oh Lord, I pray that you would teach me, oh God, your ways. Help me, Lord, know how to cooperate with the design of the kingdom of God.